Well, happy, 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 happy New Year, Strong Tower Bible Church family and all of our friends across the country and even now because of social media around the world. So happy, happy 2021. And if you are in a living room or a room with other people, why don't you turn to somebody and just say, I made it. <laughs> just turn to somebody and say, I made it. Because not everybody made it out of 2020 and into 2021. But if you are watching and listening to my voice, you made it. As a matter of fact, you can also turn to somebody else. We're going to go Baptist this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, uh, God's not finished with me yet. <laughs> That's right. God is not finished with you. He's not finished with me yet. We are alive and we are alive for a purpose which is to honor him, glorify him, to serve him, to know him, to make him known, and to enjoy the abundant life that Christ came to offer to his children. So he is not finished with you. The Bible says that with the living, there is hope. And I put on Facebook earlier this week that we don't have to wait for a new year in order to experience new mercies from God. No, all we need is a new day in order to experience the mercies of God because his mercies are new every morning. In other words, his mercies are new whenever we wake up. And I believe it was the singer Israel Houghton who said that uh, whenever we wake up, and that is throughout the day, whenever we come to our senses, the mercies of God will fall fresh upon us and for us. Amen, somebody. And so I'm here to begin a new sermon series uh, to start off 2021, which will be entitled, Come As You Are. Yeah, that's right, Come As You Are. So for the first several weeks of 2021, we're going to focus on that theme, Come As You Are, Responding Well to the Invitations of Jesus Christ. Because as I was reading the Gospels over the holiday break, I noticed how often Christ invited people to come to him. And those who came to him were significantly blessed because of responding to his call. And those who did not come, they were significantly distressed because of not heeding his call to come to the master. So we're going to look at several places in the Gospels where Jesus invited people, where he is inviting us to come to him. And so this morning, as you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, we're going to begin the series of Come As You Are, Matthew chapter 11, and I will begin reading at verse 28 from the New King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible reads, Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this morning, the first Sunday of 2021, I would like to preach a message this morning entitled, Come, Take My Yoke. Come, Take My Yoke. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you for what the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5 when he said, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, do not become entangled in a yoke of bondage. It is for freedom, Jesus, that you have set us free. Lord, you came to set us free from the penalty of death, from the power of sin, and even from the presence of sin and death, all through the cross and through your resurrection. We just want to say thank you as we start this year off. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that we could remember you through communion, all that you did to bless fallen folks like us. Lord, all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of your glory. But we thank you, Lord, that there is forgiveness with you. Therefore, Lord, you are to be feared and worshipped. Thank you, Lord, for making a way to bring us to you. Thank you, Jesus, that when you died, you took our sins on your body and you gave us your righteousness so that we could stand before your Father in the courts of heaven, justified, declared righteous, never to be separated from the love of God because of the finished work of Jesus. Lord, we declare the victory today and that we overcome the devil, the liar, the murderer, the tempter. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Lord, let this redeemed preacher say so this morning. Holy Spirit, help me to preach, help me to teach, and help your people, Lord, to hear your voice, to hear your word, and live accordingly. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, this moment in time, to worship our eternal God and to make a difference in his name. For it's in Jesus' name that I ask it all. Amen. And thank God. Hallelujah. Come, take my yoke, part one. Man, this started getting so good to me this week. There was no way I could give you all of this in one sermon. So I have to go at least two parts. Who knows how it's going to go. But today, part one. At the close of 2020, the state of Tennessee made news on a regular basis, but not for good reasons. I said at the end of 2020, our state, the state of Tennessee, and even our city, the city of Nashville, we were frequently in the news, but not really for good reasons. You see, on Christmas Eve, Nashville had the highest rate of new COVID-19 cases in the country on Christmas Eve. That came out, and and we had, uh, for three days and running, the highest rate across the country of new COVID-19 cases in the state of Tennessee and hitting in the hot spot of Nashville. But also, on Christmas morning of 2020, a domestic terrorist bombed 2nd Avenue at about 6 o'clock in the morning. A domestic terrorist struck and destroyed multiple buildings on 2nd Avenue, and had it not been for the bravery of several policemen and women, uh, many people would have been hurt if not killed. And so Nashville has had to, um, in 2020, go through so many things, from a hurricane to COVID to a tornado and then even to a bombing. But I thank God that 
he has allowed the city to still stand and we're going to bounce back stronger than ever. And so that was Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. But then we also saw at the end of 2020 that there was a pastor in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, who is an avid Trump supporter. And he recently tweeted, we have a First Amendment right to worship. If that is impeded upon, we will invoke our Second Amendment right and meet you at the door. Obviously, the door of the church with guns to stop anyone who would say you are not to worship in terms of spreading the coronavirus in a mass gathering. This pastor went on to say, we will not be bullied. To be clear, that's a fact, not a threat. So there was a pastor in Mount Juliet who made the news for making such incendiary comments and statements. Um, obviously not reading the whole counsel of God. When the Lord said to Pilate, I believe, that he said that if his kingdom was of this world, his followers, his disciples would fight to see that kingdom come. But, but Jesus' kingdom is not of the world and it will not be advanced by carnal or fleshly weapons, but it will be advanced by the weapon of love, the weapon of mercy, the weapon of grace and the power of the gospel in word and in deed. And so when I saw that tweet and it had began to cause so much uh, attention on social media from a national perspective, I began to think not only about that pastor, but more, more so I began to think about the members of his congregation because that area is not far from us. And I began to think about his people and about those who are under his leadership under this pastor's teaching, and even under his covering. Because some of those people, or as the Bible calls them, sheep, they are there out of fear. They are there in that church out of intimidation. They are there in that church out of conformity. They are there in that church out of manipulation. And I began to think that they're under this man's teaching, under this man's leadership, under this man's covering, or as we're going to see today, they are under this man's yoke. So as we come to Matthew chapter 11, there were people, i.e. sheep, who were under the leadership, teaching, covering, and yoke of the Pharisees. Because that's what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, take my yoke implying that there is another yoke that the people are under. And the key to understanding this passage in Matthew chapter 11 that many of us quote, we've memorized, we go to so often when we're tired, when we're weary, when we're burdened. But the key to truly understanding this passage and even appreciating the call, the invitation that Jesus makes to the people then and now is to really understand this thing called a yoke. What is a yoke? Ah, what is a yoke? Well, a yoke is a wooden frame or harness placed around the necks of animals, animals like oxen, donkeys, and horses, 
to make them pull a load in tandem. Let me say that again. A, a yoke is a frame that's made of wood or it, it acts like a harness and it's placed around the neck of animals that pull loads. And this yoke made of wood would have two loops under it made of rope or sometimes even made of metal that would go around the necks of the animals. Two animals would be in a yoke and they would plow or pull a burden behind them. And the thing about it, the way they would do it in those days and even in this day is that they would oftentimes match an older animal with a younger animal. They would match a stronger animal with a weaker animal so that the weaker and the younger can learn from the older and the stronger. So that the one who's been trained a little bit longer than the younger steer uh, is able to teach the younger one as they operate together within the same yoke. And so the purpose of the yoke was to be able to pull a load in tandem. And you see, in the Bible, a yoke was also used to speak of human bondage, oppression, slavery, and even hardship. So in the Bible, it, it, it would speak of not only something that you would put around animals, because when Elisha found, Elijah rather, found Elisha, he was working with 12 yoke of oxen. And so we see that in the Bible, but, but not only speaking of animals, but it's used in a metaphorical way to speak of humans being bound or humans being oppressed or humans even being enslaved. You see, the Bible says, made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. So they were saying, your father drove us hard. Your father put a lot of weight on us. But Rehoboam, we ask you, if you could just lighten the load a little bit, we'll serve you. But Rehoboam went to some younger folks, the Bible says, and got some wisdom from them. And they said, no, increase the burden. Strengthen the yoke. Make it heavier. If your father was a pinky, then you'd be a waste. In other words, you'd be bigger. You'd be stronger than your dad. And you increase the weight, the burden, the labor on the people. And because of that, the kingdom split in two. Into the northern kingdom and into the southern kingdom. Why? Because of a heavy yoke placed upon the people by the king. In Jeremiah chapter 28, verse 2, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. And so God freed his people from slavery. And this euphemism, this terminology here is, is said that God broke the yoke of the king of Babylon. In other words, God set the people free. He shattered the chains that had them bound. And so a yoke was something that spoke of human bondage, oppression, slavery, and even hardship. And if you do a word study on yoke, you will see that it is everywhere throughout the Bible. But then also, a yoke was used to speak of spiritual alignment and identification in terms of coming under a rabbi and his teaching. 
Oh, you don't want to miss this. I'm working my way into the text here. That a yoke also spoke of coming under the, the teaching, the identification of a rabbi and his teaching. You see, the people in the regions of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, which is the background to Matthew 11, the people in those three areas were under the yoke of the Pharisees. They were identified with the Pharisees. They were under the covering. They were under the teaching and the tutelage of the Pharisees in those regions in Galilee. Now, why is that important? Well, let me flip over quickly to Matthew chapter 23 and just read a little bit for you to get an understanding of why it's important to be careful of who you align yourself with, of who you come under from a spiritual perspective. The ones who teach you, the ones who lead you, the ones who serve as guides. You, you want to be very, very careful of who you place yourself under, whose yoke you decide to take up. Look in Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So again, that authority where, where, where the law is taught. They're sitting in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. Watch this in verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Oh, I got to read that one more time. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. In other words, they're giving people heavy commands that they themselves are not carrying out and doing. And not only that, they're going to give you a heavy command and they won't even help you in fulfilling that command. But what I just read from you from Matthew chapter 11 is that Jesus says that he will get into the yoke with you. The yoke he invites you to come into with him, he will get into that yoke with you. So he will not command us to do anything that he will not do with us. And as we're going to see even for us. Because back in that time, in order to become a disciple of a rabbi, you would have to go up to the rabbi and ask the rabbi, can I be one of your followers? And if you prove to be worthy, if the rabbi had space and time for you, if you came from an influential family and the rabbi could get something out of a discipleship relationship with you, that rabbi would take you on. And so you would then come under the yoke of that rabbi. But Jesus, who was also a rabbi, was very different from the rabbis of his day. So rather than waiting for people to come up to him and ask him, Master, can I be your student? Jesus would go out to the people and he would invite them to be his disciple. He would invite them to follow him. 
So the, the, the Pharisees, you had to go up to them, but Jesus would go up to the people. And when he would go up to them and say, follow me, you can become my disciple. He was offering them a different kind of yoke than the yoke that the Pharisees were enslaving the people with. Because Jesus would say that his yoke is light. His yoke is easy. And he is going to teach you because he's going to say, as we'll learn next week, that when you're in this yoke with me, you can learn from me. Because I'm not going to lead you anywhere or tell you to go somewhere that I'm not going to go with you. I will get into the yoke, the harness with you. I am the older and stronger steer. You are the younger and the weaker steer. But if you learn from me, if you lean on me as a tandem, we can do some great things in the kingdom, but not so for the Pharisees. They would command folks things and wouldn't do the things they commanded and they surely wouldn't lift one finger to help you. And Jesus even said they go high and low looking for a disciple. And when they find one, they make that disciple a child of hell as much as they are. And so when Jesus makes this declaration in Matthew chapter 11, he is speaking to people who are oppressed, people who, uh, who are under the bondage of legalism, people who, under, who are under the bondage of intimidation, manipulation, and fear to the Pharisees. And Jesus is inviting them to come to him and find freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And so based on this text, Christ is saying, come, take my yoke. Because when you do that, there will be at least three benefits from the text that we see. Number one, it will deliver us from man's yoke when we take Christ's yoke. Number two, it will give us rest when we take Christ's yoke. And thirdly, it will make us more like Jesus when we take Christ's yoke. But as I said today, I only have time to cover one point, uh, and that's the first point, that when we come and take Christ's yoke, it will deliver us from man's yoke, man's yoke of oppression. And, and all of this is done in religion or in the name of religion, man's yoke of oppression and slavery and bondage. Oh my, oh my, oh my, because Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to give us life, but religion came to enslave us. Religion came to rob us of peace, hope, joy, and our freedom in the Lord. When my wife and I uh, first moved to Nashville, Tennessee in 1992, it took us a minute to find a local church in which we could be committed to. We went around visiting several churches, trying to find a church home, but, but nothing seemed to bear witness with our spirit that this was the place. Now, it didn't mean that they were bad places. It just meant that they weren't for us. So we would go visit here and there. And, uh, and I had some kind of uh, Christian bumper sticker on my car. And one day we went to the mall, Doreen and I did. And, uh, and when we came back out, there was a, a leaflet on the windshield inviting us to come to a Bible study. And so I'm assuming the people saw the Christian bumper sticker on my car, and so they said, hey, this looks like a brother or sister. Let's invite them for some fellowship. So we, we, we went to this uh, Bible study that happened to be in a home, and a bunch of other believers were there, and we were in this home, and we're, we're just glad to meet some people, get to know some people in a new town, and, and get to meet some other believers. And, and it, 
didn't take long before my radar went off. You know, the Bible says you've got to test the spirits to see if they are of God or not. You've got to be able to test doctrine to see if it's sound or not. But if you don't have a sound hold on the gospel and on the doctrines, the basic doctrines of the faith, then you can be blown around and tossed around by every wind of doctrine that's out here. And as the Bible study went on, I began to realize how these people kept talking about the importance of discipleship. Yeah, discipleship is important. It's biblical. It's what the church ought to be about, making disciples. But as you make disciples, watch the word play, you can't make somebody be a disciple. Yeah, you got to make them, Jesus said, but you can't make them. And I felt these people were trying to make us be not only disciples, but, but, but let me say it this way. These people trying to make us be their kind of disciples. Oh, boy, oh, boy. They, they were trying to make us join their group because according to their teaching, unless we were in their group, we weren't in the kingdom of God. I said, oh, wait a minute now. Oh, no. And, and then one of these young guys came up to me, and he was like, I will disciple you. And I'm looking at this young brother. I'm like, man, wait a minute. What you talking about? You're going to disciple me. Uh, because, again, from their brand of quote-unquote Christianity, if they don't disciple you, you're not a disciple. Now, mind you, I had just been ordained by my father-in-law up in Portsmouth, Virginia. I am an ordained minister at the time. I've graduated from Bible college uh, with a biblical studies degree. I have a master's degree, and, and I'm ordained. And this young fella is saying he's got to disciple me in order for me to be a disciple. I said, man, let me get my coat, my hat, and get up out of here before I lay hands on somebody who's trying to manipulate me and control me and say, unless you're with us, you're not with God. And I immediately picked up, that was man's yoke. That wasn't the yoke of Jesus because Jesus came to set me free. Jesus made me a priest in the believership. I'm, I'm of the priesthood of the believers. I don't need another person to get me to God or to, to cause me to grow in God. God uses people, but I don't need to be with you in order to be with God. And so we got up out of there and came to find out later that these folks were part of a hyper group from the Church of Christ out of the Boston movement, again, who felt that unless you were in their church, and with them, you couldn't be with Jesus. Oh, boy, oh, boy. So I, 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 uh, uh, I wasn't coming under that yoke. And so I'm burdened in this message today for people who are under yokes that are not Christ's yoke. That is easy and that is light. A yoke where he says, learn of me because I'm in the yoke with you. Not necessarily learn of man. No, learn of me. Anything that puts a focus on man is something to be avoided. No, no, I want to be with people who put the focus on Jesus. And even then, we got to ask, which Jesus are we talking about? So, so we've got to be discerning people. But when Jesus made the declaration in Matthew chapter 11, there were people under the yoke of the Pharisees. And they were not free. They were bound. And Jesus was saying, come and take my yoke upon you. And in order to come and take the yoke of Jesus, that would mean they would have to put that man's yoke down. And that's where it gets tough. Because when you try to put man's yoke down, 
man who wants to control you, they don't want you to leave them. You know, leaving some churches today is like leaving the mafia. It's easy to leave the mafia or to leave the bloods of the Crips. You know, they say in order to get out of a gang, you got to get beat up to go out of a gang. And in order to leave a church, man, they don't want you leaving, man. When you join, they put your tombstone in the backyard as if you're supposed to be there your whole life. Wait a minute now. Hold up. Hold up. What yoke are you under? Oh, my God. Because where, where, where the Lord's yoke is, there's freedom. Help me, somebody. So taking Christ's yoke will deliver us from man's yoke. I only have a couple things to say. And here's the first thing. When Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. This is, in the Greek language, what is called an aorist imperative or an imperative command that means do this and do this now. So it is an aorist imperative. An aorist tense means point action, do something. An imperative means now. Aorist imperative, do this right now. And Jesus is saying to those folk, do this right now. Take my yoke right now. Because if you think about it too long, you're going to cave into the manipulation and the intimidation of the people who have you under man's yoke. But Jesus says, if you hear my voice, take my yoke now because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And to take Christ's yoke, we must first put down man's yoke. You see, the Pharisees' yoke on the people caused the people, watch this, to be tired to be weary and to be burdened as they tried unsuccessfully to fulfill man's laws. So the heavy yoke, the heavy burden that the Pharisees, who were also rabbis, who were the spiritual leaders, the religious leaders of that time, which is why they hated Jesus so much, because Jesus called them out and exposed their hypocrisy and tore down their teaching that went antithetical to the word of God. And, and also Jesus, there were people leaving the Pharisees to go and follow Jesus. And so these Pharisees, they, they would put a heavy yoke on the people. And there's this thing in Jewish antiquity called the Talmud. I'm going to talk a moment about the Torah, in a moment about the Torah, but first the Talmud. The Talmud was the commentary on the Torah. So if you have a Bible, a commentary Bible, you have the Bible at the top and commentary notes at the bottom. Well, the Talmud was the commentary on the law. And for the Pharisees, they would lean more on the Talmud than on the Torah. They would lean more on their interpretation of the Bible than the Bible itself. So therefore, if you went against their interpretation in their mind, you were going against God. And so they would come up with various traditions and laws about how to interpret the laws of God, especially around this thing called the Sabbath day. And so they would have all these ways in which they would apply how the Sabbath was to be applied. If you walk this far, you're violating the Sabbath. If you do this, you're violating the Sabbath. So the Talmud began to take more authority than the Torah. And they would put the people under these rules and regulations, which is what legalism is. And if you want to look at somebody that's tired, 
somebody that's burdened, look at somebody who's trying to live up to man's standards. Look at somebody who's trying to live and have a works-based, man-centered kind of righteousness. Those are some tired folk because no matter what you do, you never do enough. You never please man because man's goalposts keep moving in terms of what he declares and discerns as being right and righteous. Look with me at Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to go back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36 of Matthew 9. But when he saw the multitudes, is anybody glad that Jesus sees the multitudes? Is anybody glad that Jesus sees you? But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with condemnation? No, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no what? Shepherd. So they had shepherds, but they weren't God's shepherds. They weren't feeding God's people or leading God's people. These folks were feeding on God's people and fleecing God's people. And they were putting laws and burdens and rules and regulations on the people. And so the people were weary, the Bible says. And that word weary can also be translated as they were harassed, which made them weary. They were harassed by their teachers who put this yoke of legalism on them. They were bullied by their leaders. And so when Jesus saw these sheep, it was like they had no shepherd and he had compassion on them. So therefore, when you come to Matthew 11, when you read through the story and he stands and he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Ah! In other words, put that yoke down and come to me and I'll get into the yoke with you and my yoke will be dependent on me doing the, the majority of the pulling in this thing, in this relationship. You see, the Pharisees' yoke on the people caused them to be tired, weary, and burdened as they tried unsuccessfully to fulfill God's laws in the Torah. So the Talmud was their interpretation of the law, but then here they come putting the law on the people. Now, we know that the law is good. The law is right. But we also know later from Paul's revelation that no man, no woman can keep the law. We need someone to keep the law for us and someone to die for lawbreakers like us, and only Jesus Christ fits that description. He kept the law perfectly, and he died on the cross for imperfect lawbreakers. That's the gospel. That's the good news. But watch out for folks who say, you got to keep the law to be right with God. Or you got to have Jesus and the law. Oh, you don't believe me. Uh, Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Oh, boy. This is Strong Tower Bible Church, right? Nothing has changed. We are in the Bible. We are in the Bible. Acts chapter 15. The Jerusalem Council, oh boy, and I will begin reading at verse 1, then I'm going to jump over to verse 6, Acts 15, 1, and certain men came down from Judea 
and taught the brethren or taught the sheep. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Uh Uh-oh, watch out. Gentiles are coming into the kingdom by faith in Jesus Christ. And there are Jewish people who are having trouble with that because these Gentile people have not, quote unquote, kept the law like the Jews and their ancestors. They have not even been circumcised. So there are some people who feel like if you're going to come into the church, if you're going to come into the kingdom, okay, you got Jesus, but you also need to circumcise your flesh. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Now, the Bible says in verse 6, when the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter, and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Here it is, verse 10. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Peter stood up because when you're filled with the spirit, you will stand up. You will preach the gospel, not only to the lost, but even to the church. And you will say to people in the church who are trying to add law to grace, you will stand up and say, no, don't you dare put a yoke on on those people that we know our fathers could bear. Don't put them in that hole, that rut of performance-based acceptance with God, which leaves you failing and falling every single day throughout the day. No, they need grace. Get rid of that yoke of bondage. And I'm so glad Peter was there to speak up that day. Will you be there to speak up when you're around family members who go to church but who think that, man, if I don't go to church, I don't know Jesus. Or if you're not a part of my church, you don't know Jesus. I hope you're there. Church has its place now. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're to be in a body. But man, this pandemic has taught us that church is so much more than a building and a gathering spot. The church is the people of God. And wherever we huddle, wherever you are right now, because the church didn't start in big buildings, it started in homes. My God. So, so, so Jesus came to give us freedom. Oh, let me keep going. This is going to blow your mind. Go back to Matthew chapter 11. The Pharisees' yoke on the people led them to reject John the Baptist. <laughs> let me tell you something. If you're under a leader who doesn't like certain people, you're going to end up not liking certain people. This is why Jesus talked about the leaven of the Pharisees. He told his guys, beware of the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees, which is their teaching, because it can lead you astray. And these men did not accept John the Baptist, which is why I guess when they came out to John's baptism, they weren't there to be participants. They were there to be inspectors. They were there inspectors 
inspecting what John was saying and inspecting what John was doing and putting down his ministry. So John said, you brood of vipers. Who warned you about the end? Who told you what was going on? He knew that they weren't there to be participants. He knew they were there to be spectators. And spectators are people who spy on other folks' freedom in the Lord. They, they, they put their nose up in the air. They think they're better than everybody. They think they have a corner on the market with God and that God is only speaking through them. How dare God use a dude in the desert with a funky haircut and a camel short set? How dare God use somebody like that? But I thank God that he does use people like that. And people like me and people like you who don't bring anything to the table, but God is the one who sets the table and invites us to the table and empowers us at the table to do and be what he's called us to be. So he uses the least of these. And when he uses the least of these, he says they're the greatest in the kingdom. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read from the book. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Jesus says, oh, it's in red letters, assuredly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because under your teachers, you couldn't hear who John was. Under your teachers, you couldn't hear the fact that he was the forerunner to the Messiah. Under your teachers who put a heavy yoke on you, they despised John. They rejected John. And because of that, you don't accept nor receive John the Baptist. And if you don't receive, watch how slick the devil is. If you don't receive John the Baptist, you surely won't receive the one that John the Baptist came before, uh, preparing the way for the Lord. If you don't receive John, you surely won't receive Jesus. Oh my, there's more, there's more. The Pharisees' yoke, their influence, their teaching, led their followers to be unresponsive to legitimate moves of God. Pastor, what are you talking about? Again, nothing moved the Pharisees. Uh, they couldn't discern the moving of the Spirit because if they did, they would have received the Lord. They would have received Jesus. Uh, uh, they don't really understand the Scriptures because the Scriptures spoke of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, the people under them can't discern a move of God. They can't really properly discern the Scriptures whereby to see the Messiah in them. Uh, look with me at verse 16 of Matthew 11. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. What this means is that no matter what's going on, this generation who's under this yoke will not respond. They won't respond uh, uh, to music that is uh, uh, dance worthy 
and they're not going to respond to a dirge or or to music that is uh, full of lament. No matter what happens, they are unresponsive, just like their leaders. So, So therefore, they don't recognize legitimate moves of God. And not only that, the Pharisees' yoke on the people caused them to be non-receptive of other leaders. Look at verse 18. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. So, So... What Jesus is saying here, you are under the yoke of teachers who do not accept nor authorize other teachers. Uh, Let let me me see. How how do I say this here? Uh, uh, No one is good enough for you except the Pharisees. Uh, uh, There's no other pastor you can listen to except your own pastor. Uh, 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 Why? Because you didn't receive John, and he didn't eat or drink. You didn't receive Jesus, and he ate and drank, and said he had a demon, and he was a glutton. In other words, nobody's good enough for y'all except your own teachers. So watch out for being under a yoke of leaders who are hypercritical of other leaders, other spiritual leaders. Now, again, there's a place to deal with doctrine and to deal with carnality. That's not what we're dealing with here. We're not saying that you should just accept any and everybody and any and everything that they say. But but, but if your leadership only rolls with a certain group of people in order to learn about God and hear from God, in other words, they're trapped in a denomination. They're trapped in a certain seminary. They're trapped in a particular angle and perspective. Just be careful. Because sometimes the way to learn is by reading counterpoints of brothers and sisters in the body who serve the same God but just see things a little differently than we do. Because there's an arrogance that says, uh, we know what God meant when God said what he said. We are the people who know what God meant when he said what he said and when the apostles and prophets wrote what they wrote. Are you serious? You think you've got a corner on the market on the interpretation of the Bible? The Bible encourages us to have sound doctrine. There's no such thing, humanly speaking, as perfect doctrine. None of us knows it all. We are all in a place of learning, and the gospel is the core and the rudimentary beginnings of who we are, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we're always learning about our faith. But watch out for people who think they know it all. Because watch this. John was conservative. They didn't like John. Jesus was quote-unquote progressive or liberal. They didn't like him either. They didn't like anybody but their brand and their kind and their tribe. Oh, my. And because of that, they nearly missed a blessing. But God is so good, he's still going to invite these folk to come out from among them and be attached to him and not be unequally yoked with those who are in darkness, but to come to him in the light. Oh, I got one more, I got one more. The Pharisees' yoke that they put on the people caused their followers to reject the miracles of Jesus Christ. Uh huh. You see, the Pharisees didn't believe in the miracles of Jesus. They thought that he was casting out demons uh, by the power of Satan. 
Uh, they didn't believe what he was doing was miraculous. Or if he healed someone on the Sabbath, they would deny the miracle and, and, and just focus on what they thought in terms of Jesus breaking the law. They focused on the law and they missed the spirit operating through a miracle. So the people under them, they were discipled the same way. Look with me at verse 20. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works have been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which is a Gentile region, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works or the miracles which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So Jesus is going around healing people and casting out demons, doing all of these mighty works. And the people have been taught and trained and even brainwashed and conditioned not to accept Jesus nor his mighty works. And Jesus is like, shame on y'all, because had these other regions, these heathenistic places like Tyre and Sidon and Sodom, had they seen these miracles, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. But y'all, no, not y'all. You see these miracles, and it doesn't move you, because it doesn't move your leaders. It doesn't move your teachers, because they cannot stand Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, the pressure was so strong that they would say, has any of the Pharisees gone after him in the gospel of John? Uh, they would say, if you believe in him, they'll put you out of the synagogue. There was pressure and manipulation and control, a heavy yoke on the people. And when you're under a heavy yoke, you're not growing. You can't grow spiritually. You are weary. You are burdened. You are oppressed. But the Lord sees you. And he's like, I want to free you. He got to come to me. He got to take my yoke. And you got to put their yokes down. What's sad about Matthew chapter 11 is that the chapter closes without us ever realizing whether or not the people responded to the invitation of Jesus. We don't know if they came to take his yoke and be liberated and set free from the control and the tyranny of man. We don't know. But as I come to the close of this message, the question is, will you come out from under these yokes of men that bring bondage and enslavement and come to Jesus Christ? Will you put that stuff down and come to Jesus the man, the person, the son of God, not a religion, not a plan of salvation, but the man, the person of salvation. Will you come to a person will you sit, or will you stay sinking in religion and conformity to man? You see, as a pastor, I'm burdened for people who are under man's yoke and not under Christ's yoke. I'm burdened. 
You see, one of the reasons I don't always give an altar call at Strong Tower is because I've seen the altar call abused growing up. And I would see the altar call used to manipulate people. That the spirit's moving, you know, he, he may have ceased moving or may have never started moving. But because of tradition, you've got to give this altar call every week and put people under guilt because for the leader, you've got to leave church and call your buddies and say, how many people came to Christ today? Or doc, the altar was full today. And so I've seen it manipulated. I've seen it abused so much. I've been in services where they play just as I am 500 times. And, and they say, will you come? Will you come? And I'm like, man, nobody's coming. Close the service. And I'm so tempted to get up and let me walk the aisle just so we can all go home. <laughs> so I can go in the back room and pray with you so we can all go home. So again, you can go and tell your people you got another notch on your belt because folk came to Jesus, the altar was full, and, and religion becomes the opium or the drug of the people. So that when there is a legitimate move of God, we can't really recognize it because we've been steeped so much in manipulation. So a strong tower, if and when I give an invitation, Either the text is going to direct me or the spirit is going to direct me. I'm not just going to do it to say that we did it. And by the way, God doesn't need me to give an altar call for his people to have an encounter with him. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. The spirit can meet you in your bedroom. He can meet you in your car while you're going to work. You can read the Bible and the Holy Spirit. That's what was going on with Cornelius. God can reach you. God can talk to you. Yeah, he'll use preachers. And yeah, he'll use people. But don't get it twisted. If he can speak through the mouth of a donkey, he can speak through a billboard. He can speak through a radio program. He can speak through a television show. He can speak through whatever in order to touch people where they are. He doesn't need us. He'll use us, but he doesn't need us. It's not up to me. It's up to the one who's going to be in the yoke pulling the, the bulk of the weight. And that's how I do ministry. I rely on the Lord and less on me. And when I do, it's easier for me. It's lighter for me. Hallelujah. But I still, I'm burdened, man. I, I don't even like it when salesmen come and try to put me under a yoke of a sale. <laughs> and, and, and all they care about is me giving them my money or signing a document because they want me under the yoke. They don't care about me. They want what they can get from me. Everybody's my friend when I'm about to buy something. But once I buy it, can't find them nowhere. And that's how a lot of preachers are. They'll be your friend to get you to come to Christ. They'll be your friend to get you to join their church. But once you come, you can't even reach them or talk to them no more. So I resist when people put the hard sell on. Because they're trying to put you under a yoke to benefit them and keep you controlled. So I'm burdened for folk who are under uh, uh, cults, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness. I'm burdened for folks who, because of racism, they leave the faith and they pick up black Hebrew uh, uh, worship and, and, and think that black people are the original Hebrews and, and they don't like white people and they don't like the church. And, and, all. and I'm burdened for these kind of brothers. And I'm also burdened for other folks who think, man, let me put it this way. If a man says to you, 
You have to be a member of our church to be right with God. Put that yoke down and take up the yoke of Jesus. If a man says to you, you can only learn the Bible from me, man, you better put that yoke down and get up out of there and away from that person and take up the yoke of Jesus Christ. If a man says to you, true Christians vote this way, you got to vote this way. If you don't vote this way, you're not a true Christian. You better put that yoke down and run and take up the yoke of Jesus Christ. If a man says to you, you have to be baptized in order to be saved, man, put that yoke down and take up the yoke of Jesus Christ. Baptism is important, but it is not essential for salvation. The blood is essential for salvation. Faith is essential for salvation. So if somebody tries to put circumcision on you or baptism on you, Man, you put that yoke down and you take up the yoke of Jesus Christ that sets you free. If a man says to you, you have to speak in tongues in order to be a Christian, you put that yoke down. You come out from under that yoke and you take up the yoke of Jesus. Oh, let me be on 100th Street right now. Not 100, but 100th Street. Man, I know Christians who speak in tongues. I know Christians who don't speak in tongues. And the Christians who speak in tongues, I've seen the hand of God on them. And Christians who don't speak in tongues, I've seen the hand of God on them. And Christians who speak in tongues, I've seen them struggle. And Christians who don't speak in tongues, I've seen them struggle. It's not about tongues. It's about Jesus. Some folk have the ability, some folk have the gift, other folk don't. But stop elevating something over the gospel. Stop trying to make something that is a non-essential and essential. And if you're at a place where they say you got to do this, or you got to take our classes to learn how to speak in tongues. I don't see that in the Bible. Man, you better get up away from that place and come under the yoke of Jesus. And again, if you're somewhere where they say, man, speaking in tongues is not for anybody today, you better watch that too and come out from under that yoke and find the freedom of Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Thank you, Lord. If you're under a man who says all lives matter, but they treat you like your life don't matter, it's time to come out from under that yoke and take up the yoke of Jesus. If a man says to you, there's no pandemic. It's fake news. Don't wear a mask. As a matter of fact, don't listen to the government when they put restrictions on numbers and uh, in terms of gathering houses of churches. Uh, don't listen to that. Uh, as a matter of fact, if they try to shut you down, pick up a gun. Uh, uh, put that yoke down and take up the yoke of Jesus. And if a man says, you can't drink that, you can't wear that, you can't touch that, you can't watch that, you can't do that, put down that rule-centered yoke and pick up the yoke of freedom that is in Jesus Christ. And if a man says to you that the Bible is good, but the Constitution is great, and I'm so proud to be an American, and they lift up being American. And they lift up this Christian nationalism more than the kingdom of God, which does not come by violence. It suffers violence. 
Man, put that yoke down. Come out from among them and take up the yoke of Jesus. I only want to see you start the year free and not under the yoke of bondage and legalism and, and being burdened by the rules of men. Not only do I want to see you free, but above all, the Lord wants to see you free because it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And unlike those other rabbis, this rabbi named Jesus, Yeshua, will get in the yoke with you. He'll get dirty with you. He'll do life with you. And you can lean on him because you're weaker. You can lean on him because he's stronger. You can lean on him because he's older. He's the ancient of days. You can lean on him in this walk. Because he's not going to tell you to go somewhere that he's not going to go with you. He's not going to tell you to do something that he hasn't done himself, which is why he will come back and say, hang the law on loving God and loving your neighbor. And this is why keeping the commands of God are not a burden. But when you start telling folk how they need to wear their hair and how they need to do this, it becomes a burden and that's not God. Will you be free? Now listen, there are some Christians who've gotten away from Jesus' yoke. And you've picked up man's yoke. And you need to come back to Jesus. Or there are some people listening who you've never committed your life to Jesus. You need to come to Jesus. And let him fill your life, fill your heart with his love, with his grace, with his mercy, he will touch you, he will change you, and you will know that you know that you know that you know that you've been born all over again, that you are a new creation because the one who created you has taken up residence in you through the presence of the Holy Spirit, and you're no longer an orphan or a slave trying to get love, but you are now a son and a daughter who is walking under love and receiving love every single day. And even when you're not faithful, he remains faithful. He'll never get rid of you. He'll never cast you away. He'll never condemn you. He will teach you in the yoke when he says, learn from me. And man, I invite you, come on, take the yoke. Take the yoke of Jesus. Come to Jesus. Chapter 11 ends, we don't know how they responded. But when this sermon ends, how will you respond? Let's pray. Jesus, I'm amazed that you would even invite us. Oh, God. When I think about who I am and who you are, when I think about where I've come from and where you come from, when I think about what I've done and when I think about what you didn't do, Oh, God, I'm so unworthy, but I'm so glad that you said, come on, <laughs> Lord, and you saved me. And every day, every day, every day, every day, you teach me. Every day you show me who you are. You show me how to be humble and not to be prideful like those Pharisees because you said, take my yoke and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly in heart. Oh God, I thank you that there's power in humility. There's power in meekness. My identity is in Jesus. It's not in what I do for Jesus. It's in knowing Jesus. Thank you, God, for saving my life. And if there's somebody here, somebody's listening, somebody's watching, and you are not a believer in Jesus, you are not born again, today is the day of salvation. 
Would you come to Christ just as you are? You don't have to clean yourself up. You can't clean yourself up. He'll clean you up eternally and daily. Just come as you are. Come drunk. Come high. Come as a fornicator. Come as a liar. Come as you are. And he'll receive you and he'll transform you by his love and his mercy. He'll make you a new person. You just got to come to him. He gave you the ability to choose. So choose right now. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, save me. There is no other Savior but the Lord. Jesus, save me. And I promise you, the Bible says that if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And those who come to him, he will in no wise cast out. You've come by faith. And you have now become a child of God. Can you tell somebody? Can you call your grandma? Can you tell your husband? Can you tell your wife? Can you tell your parents? Can you tell your cousin? Can you tell your cellmate? Can you tell your classmate that, that, that I become a Christian? I follow Jesus. Thank you, God. And if you know him and you've gotten away from him, if you know him and you've put politics ahead of the kingdom and you've divided with brothers and sisters over politics, you need to come back to Jesus. You need to put that yoke down and come back to Jesus. If you're somewhere and they are putting you under bondage of rule keeping and rule making and self-righteousness, you need to come back to Jesus. If you got weary and well-doing and said, Lord, I'm just so tired. He offers you rest for your soul. You might be tired because you've been doing your own thing. And he's saying, come back to me. Come back to me because without me, you can do nothing. I didn't save you for you to be the Lord of your life. I saved you for me to be the Lord of your life. Stop fighting against me and start fighting with me. You come back. You come back. And at the altar of your heart, you kneel. At the altar in your living room, you kneel and say, Lord God, here I am. I come and I take your yoke. We thank you for the victory today that's found only in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who defeated death. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord God, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. My Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, I don't need a whole lot of people to get excited about God. My God, thank you, God. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. Is there a fire in anybody today? Is there anybody grateful today for the love of God? Is anybody grateful today that you've been forgiven of all of your sins? Is anybody thankful today that you've been accepted in the beloved? Is there anybody thankful today that you are seated in heavenly places? Is there anybody thankful today that all of your days have been written in his book before any of them came into existence? Oh my, what a mighty God, what an awesome God we serve. And I pray that today you will go out different because you are. 
that you won't lean on your own understanding, but you will acknowledge him in all your ways and you will trust in him with everything that you got. And when you fail, lean on the one who's in the yoke with you. Oh, next week, next week, if the Lord allows, we're going to go there. When he says, learn from me, lean on me, oh, we're going to have a good time next week. But until that time, let us pray and let's receive the benediction. Father, we started off singing today that you're a good, good father. Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for making a way for us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins, to bring us back to God, to to bridge the gap, to close the gulf. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you that no man took your life, but you laid it down and you had the authority to take it back up again. Thank you that you're alive and well. Thank you that you're seated at the right hand of the Father. Thank you that you even make an intercession for me as I make an intercession to you. Thank you that you got your children covered and nothing comes into our life without it coming through your loving fingertips. Nothing happens to us without your permission. Lord, we're saved by faith and we will walk by faith. We will trust you because it's by our faith in you that we overcome the world. We're going to trust you. And when we're struggling, Lord, help us to believe even when we have unbelief. Help us, Lord, to get that mustard seed of faith to say, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to trust God. Lord, for that person who is standing in need of healing in his or her body, Lord, would you just stop by there and touch? I thank you for the members in our body, Lord, that you healed from COVID-19. I thank you, Lord, for the brother that I I saw yesterday that we were praying for. I, I saw him yesterday out and about. He had his mask on. He was walking around. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for other folks in our body that you have healed, God. And for others, Lord, who may be sick now, would you touch their body? Would you keep us from sickness? Would you keep us from falling? For those who stand in need of, Lord God, housing as the weather's getting cold. For those of us who have a heart for the homeless, would you show us how to use our power, our influence to be able to help folk and change institutions and change systems to help people who are out on the streets tonight, the ones that you invite to the banquet, the ones who are the marginalized and the outcasts. May we go out and compel them to come into your house where there's meat and there's heat and there's food and everything that they need. Might we love them? Might we be there for them? Might we know their names? Might we visit those who are in prison. Might we feed those who are hungry. I pray for Kay Van Fletterin, Lord, as she's heading to Haiti in the next several days to go and minister there. Bless her and the ministry of Trezo in the school there. Thank you, Lord God, for all those beautiful people on the ground who are letting their light shine in Haiti. Bless our missionaries today, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the offering. Thank you, Lord, for how you took care of this church in 2020 during a pandemic. And we know you're going to take care of us in 2021. You're going to take care of us today because you said you will give us this day our daily bread. Meet the needs of your people, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as long as I'm living and as there's breath in my lungs and in Pastor Jerry's lungs and in all the elders, Lord, that they will be under good leaders in this church. Men who will have a healthy atmosphere in this church, that it won't be our yoke, but we'll always encourage people to come under Jesus, come under Jesus, come under Jesus, not under Strong Tower, not under Chris Williamson, not under Jerry, but under Jesus, under Jesus. I pray that our people will We'll see Jesus in us, oh God. 
Because, Lord, once you get a hold of them, you can do something with them that we could never do with them. Because you're doing something with us that we can't even do with ourselves. Lord, once you get a hold of us, oh God, oh God, oh God. So bless these folks to be a blessing. Meet every need that they have according to your riches and glory. And we'll give you all the praise for we ask it in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. All right, y'all. I don't even know what time it is. The, the, the clock wasn't even up there. All right, I went five minutes over, but that's all right. You already at home. So have a good day. God bless you. <laughs>